You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. We are going to be in Exodus chapter 2 today. Exodus chapter 2, if you don't have a copy of God's Word with you, I'd encourage you to take that pew Bible out right in front of you. Turn it to page 45. We're going to be working through um, a little bit more of Moses' story today. So there is something about narrative. This, this portion of Exodus is, is the genre, it is, it's narrative, it's story. And people throughout, throughout history, people love stories. There's just something about walking through a person's life or the, or the recording of something in Scripture that people just really cling to. A few years ago when we walked through uh, the story of Joseph, that was all narrative, that was all story, and, and you guys responded so well to that. But there, because there's something about just a really, really good story. But the thing about, especially movies, that makes it so hard to jump in halfway through is that you don't appreciate the whole thing. You don't, you're not clued in on, on everything that happened during that movie. I know and so, some of you guys can watch a movie halfway through, but you sit there and you talk the whole time, or you ask questions. And you guys know who, who you people are. I remember go, going to, going to the, the theaters and having people talk and ask questions like, listen, just watch the movie. Like, it's all there. But think about it. There's something about watching the whole movie that, that impacts especially the ending. And listen, if you don't understand, it's hard to appreciate the final product, whatever happens at the end, without knowing the process beforehand, right? Think about this. So without knowing the struggle of Michael Uhr and everything that happened with him, the blind side is, is what? It's another guy making it into the NFL. That's all it is. Without knowing the challenges facing the U.S. hockey team in 1980, miracle is just a hockey game. And you know, we're, we beat the Soviets, so yeah, that's cool right now, but that's all it is. Without knowing the history, the story behind the first Jamaican bobsled team, Cool Runnings is what? Four guys in spandex shooting themselves down some track of ice. All it is. You know, without understanding the, the struggles of, of King George the, the Sixth and his struggles with speaking, the king's speech is just that, just another speech. Church, there, there is something about the whole process, the whole story, that we need to appreciate. And so often when it comes to the life of Moses, everyone knows about his accomplishments at the end. Everyone knows about his, his accomplishments of leading God's people out of Egypt, of, of, of the whole the standing up to Pharaoh and the plagues and crossing the Red Sea and, and meeting God at Mount Sinai and, and have, having the, the law being, being given to them and leading God's people. Everyone knows about those things. But I'm telling you today, unless you appreciate what happened before, unless you understand the process that God worked in his life to get him to those moments, we can't fully appreciate those big moments in Moses' life. And today, as we walk through Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 25, God is going to show us something. And God is going to show us that before God can work through us, he must do a work in us. Before God can work through us and do amazing things for him, he must first do a work within our own hearts. 
And church, today as we, go, as we walk through Exodus chapter 2, we're going to see what God does to prepare Moses' heart for what God has in store so many, so many years later. And so I just want to encourage you again to take your Bibles to Exodus 2, verses 11 through 25. Have that ready to go. So Exodus begins with the people of Israel in a desperate situation. Pastor Mike uh, really encapsulated what was going on last week. I'm not going to walk through all of that, but you've got to understand that these people, the people of God, were, have been enslaved by Egypt for 400 years. They, they had been brought there by, by Joseph, but for the last 400 years, they lived under horrible conditions. And last week, Pastor Mike even said the things, the things had gotten so bad that Pharaoh had commanded the people of Egypt that if they see a, a Hebrew baby boy, that they were to throw that baby boy into the Nile River to kill, to kill that child. And we're beginning to see already in the, in the beginning of Exodus this whisper like, how is God going to rescue us? And we got that answer last week with the introduction of a baby placed in a basket and was placed within the Nile River. And Pharaoh's daughter, who was, who was down there bathing, saw the child, had compassion on that child, and adopted it as, as her own and named the child Moses. And if you're reading this for the very first time, the question that comes to mind is, how is God going to use this child to deliver his people? Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, begins 40 years after that moment. 40 years. And it doesn't say in this text, but, but, um, but Stephen in Acts chapter 7, as he recounts Israel's history before he's stoned to death, gives us some details here. And it says this, so this is 40 Forty years after the fact, in Acts chapter 7, verse 22 says, And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the, of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. So within that 40-year period, from the time that Moses was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter to the moment that we're going to catch him in Exodus chapter 2, 40 years had passed, and Moses had been raised and, and raised up in the finest of Egyptian schools. Now, Egypt was an advanced people at that time. They, they, were, they were great in astronomy and engineering and administration and leadership and medicine. And Moses would have been instructed on all of that. But it says here that also Moses was mighty in word and deed. Everything that Moses did, he succeeded at. And that same phrase, he was mighty in word and deed, is the same phrase that described Jesus when he grew up. God was working within his midst. Moses was a natural-born leader. He had everything going for him. But sometime before Exodus chapter 2, Moses had one of those, those life-changing moments within his life. We've all had them, whether it's making a move somewhere, whether it's choosing someone to marry, whether it's deciding to have kids, deciding to, to take a new job. We all have those life-changing changing moments, and, and Moses had one of them. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 and 25, says this, it says, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the sons of Pharaoh's, the Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Now, church, we don't know the exact circumstances, but one day, Moses decides to turn his back against Egypt and identify with the suffering of God's people. 
One day he decided, I would rather, he knew that he was a Hebrew. He knew that he, knew that he was part of the Hebrew people, and he decided he would rather stand with them in their suffering than choose to continue to enjoy the pleasures of sin and all that Egypt had to offer. That is all that we know about that day. So we have here, as we begin in Exodus, we have, have this natural-born, capable leader coming to his oppressed people with the intentions of rescuing them. All right, with that in mind, let's go back to Exodus chapter 2 here. Let's read verses 11 through 15. It says, One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. Notice that in verse 11, twice there is mentioned, his people, one of his people. Moses had identified with them now. And he looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And when he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? And he answered, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? But Moses was afraid. He thought, surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Church, let's, let's walk through these verses just a little bit. You have Moses, this very capable leader, comes to his own people. And he said he looked upon their burdens. That word looked there literally means to view with compassion, to be moved by emotion. This wasn't like a sightseeing trip. This wasn't a field trip to go, to go, go see what was going on. Moses came with the intentions of doing something. And when he saw his people being enslaved and oppressed, and he saw this individual here, this Hebrew man beaten, being beaten by a, an Egyptian slave master, his emotions took over. And Moses tried to rescue his people through violence. He said that he, he looked this way and that way, made sure no one else was looking, and he struck down the Egyptian. Dude went all Jack Bauer on him, killed him. And they hit him in the sand, knowing what he did was wrong. Moses took his ability, what he thought it would take to rescue his people, and he did just that. Next day, Moses, Moses comes back. So he goes back to his people again. And he sees two Hebrews fighting. He sees them arguing over something. And he says, guys, guys, what are you doing? Why are you striking your brother here? And Moses tries to take all of his leadership education, everything that he had learned to problem solve and mediate conflict. And, and that didn't work. Moses tried to sit him down and Dr. Phil him to death, and that didn't happen. The other guy was like, who made you prince? Who made you in charge of all of us? And then he said, are you here? Like, if, I, if we don't kiss and make up, are you here? Are you going to kill me just like you killed that Egyptian? And at that moment, Moses knew that people, people knew what he did. Whether it was the other, whether it was the Hebrew who, who witnessed Moses killed the Egyptian, or maybe other people were there that Moses didn't see. Moses found out that people knew that he had murdered an Egyptian one day earlier. 
Not only did Moses know, but Pharaoh also knew as well. And so Pharaoh sought to kill Moses at that moment, someone who two days earlier was part of the royal family. And Pharaoh said, listen, I cannot have someone stand up for my sworn mortal enemy, the Hebrew people. I can't have this in my kingdom. And so Pharaoh sought to kill Moses, and Moses fled away. He fled to Midian. He fled into the wilderness. And we see here God begin to work in young Moses' heart. And the first thing that we see God do is that, is simply is this, that God lets Moses fail. God lets him fail. See, the first way that God prepared Moses to deliver his people was for Moses to experience utter failure. And I want you to notice something at this point. At this point, Moses didn't cry out to God for help. Moses didn't, Moses didn't walk up in that first day when he observed his people. Moses didn't look over his people and, and pray to God and lift them up and say, God, whatever you would have me do, I'm gonna, I, I want to do it. Moses relied on his own strength. Moses relied on his own wisdom. Moses relied on his own abilities to resolve that situation. And, and before I get too hard on Moses here, let me just, let's just be real for a moment. How often do we take the problems and the conflicts and the struggles of our lives and we do the same thing Moses did? Instead of seeing something on the horizon, instead of being in the trenches of some kind of trial or suffering, how often do we just grin and bear it instead of lifting up those things to the Lord? And oftentimes what happens is, is when we step in as Savior in whatever situation it is, God often steps back. When we step in and say, I can save this situation, I can rescue these people, I can do this or do that, when oftentimes when we do that, God steps back and says, all right, I'm going to let you try. Now, how often do we think we can handle a situation and not need God's help? How often do we think we can bring healing? Guys, how often do we think that we can lead our families well? That we can be the, the husband that God has called us to be? That, that you to be the, the, the spouse, the wife that God has called you to be? How often do we, do we look at our kids and say, I got this. I don't need God. I don't need your help. How often do, do we look at broken relationships and instead of lifting them up to the Lord, we say, I can handle this. I've read a book on that. I, I've, I, I listened to a podcast once. And so I don't need God. I don't need your help here. And so often when we do that, God steps back and lets us experience the natural consequences of our actions. We just a simple heart examination. It's all it takes to see where exactly we're actually at when it comes to this concept. Think about this. How often do you come to the Lord and pray and ask for his help? And think, think specifically, what are the things I'm praying for right now? And whatever we're not praying for, whatever I'm not praying for, I believe I can do this on my own. That I can live independent of God's help and God's strength. Jesus reminds us in John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. 
Moses was learning that lesson as we read this portion. The great preacher James Boyce said, only after we fail do we become aware that it is God and not ourselves who is working. As the moment that we fail, we understand, and man, it wasn't, it wasn't God doing his thing. It was me trying to solve and, and, and take care of this problem. And we recognize that we become aware of how much we need God and how much we need to turn to him. But God, God wasn't done with Moses just yet. Not only did God allow Moses to fail, but God leads Moses into the wilderness. We see that in verses 16 through 22. Follow along with me as, as we continue to read. So now the priests of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. And when they came home to their father, Raoul, he said, how is it that you come home today so soon? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and even drew water for us and watered the flock. And he said to his daughters, then, then where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him that we may eat bread together. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah. And she gave birth to a son, and he called his son Gershom, and for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. See, Moses flees Egypt into the absolute wilderness. Most people believe that Midian is a portion of Saudi Arabia. So it wasn't like going five miles down the road. Like Moses went. Moses fled into, into the absolute wilderness, the barren wilderness of Saudi Arabia. But while he was there, God began to continue to work on his heart. And I love, I love what happens here. Because we see Moses' heart, Moses' heart to rescue people still there. And he meets the, the seven daughters who, who are at this well to, to get water for, for, for their father's flocks. And there were other shepherds that were there who came and, and either bullied them or somehow kept them from watering, watering their flocks. And Moses stood up for them. Moses saw a problem. Moses did something about it. You see that about his heart. You see that about his confidence and about his ability, about the compassion that he had. And Moses... And then the, the, the ladies, when they came home, and their, their father was like, how did you guys get here so early today? Don't you have problems with those shepherds? And they said, listen, th this Egyptian was there, and he helped them. He helped us. And God came and drew Moses into this family. I just love this picture because you, know, you always hear that, that statement, nice guys finish last. This nice guy finished pretty good. This guy did okay. Helped, helped one time. Dude got a place to stay and a daughter to marry. Not bad. So kids, pay attention. Be nice. But God drew Moses into the wilderness to begin to really to continue working on his heart. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 119.71. It says, it is good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. And David said, listen, it is good for me to, to experience pain, to live in the wilderness, because this is where I'm going to learn about God. This is where God's going to do business with my heart. And I want to show you just a few things that God does here. What he does in Moses' life while he's in, in that wilderness period. First thing is that God brings Moses and God brings us out of our normal circumstances. 
during that wilderness period, and it's going to look different for each of us, God is going to shake our lives up in one way or another and, and remove the safety, the safety nets that are there that we all rely on. If you're trusting in your, your relationships, God's going to take one of those away. If you're trusting in your financial security, God's going to take that job away. If you're trusting in your health, God, God may often bring some kind of health care issue into your life to, to pull that rug out from under you. And before you say, man, this sounds terrible, this sounds, this sounds mean, this sounds like how could a loving God do those things? God is doing those things so that, so that you and I can see him more clearly when he takes those things away. Moses, two days before, Moses was in the Egyptian palace. And two days later, he's running for his very life. God draws us out of our normal circumstances so that you and I can see him more clearly. But not only does God bring us out of our normal circumstances, but I love this next one, that God gives us a people to belong to. What, do, what does God do when he brings Moses out? Who, who, are, who are we then introduced to? We're, we're introduced to this family. Jethro, we're going to see later on. Reuel, same name. And this family of sisters. And God placed Moses into a stable and loving environment with people that would love him and encourage him while he's in that wilderness period. And church, this is something as a church we haven't done the greatest job at. So often I, I, I hear stories or I hear testimonies of people that say, I am surrounded by people each Sunday at church, but no one knows the pain and suffering that, that I'm going through. Maybe you're here today and you feel just like that. This is something as a church that, that we need to do better at. For those who are, who are suffering, for those who are in that wilderness period right now, you, uh, you have to trust that the Lord is going to bring people into your life, and you need to trust them enough to share what's going on. And I'm not saying tell everyone. I'm not saying we're going to stand up here on a Sunday morning and, and share all of our grievances and share everything that's going on, but, but what about one? What about telling one person, two people, whatever you're going through, and trust that, that God is going to, and trust that, that they're going to be sensitive and minister, and they're not going to balk at whatever you're going through. They're going to be there to help. And church, when that happens, when, when someone comes and shares, we need to be willing to listen and walk with that person and, and, and in just those conversations, and pray with them, and not just promise you're going to pray, pray with them. And as you're reading Scripture, and God brings something to mind, man, they could really use that. That you share that with them. That you minister the Word and pray, and encourage their hearts. And I believe more often than not, while we're in these wilderness experiences, God gives us people. And maybe, maybe right now you're in one of those experiences and you're, you've been stiff-arming some people that you know would be there to help. 
God is calling us to humble our hearts during those moments and reach out and ask for help. And the rest of us, when, when, when those people come to us and share those things, that we walk together with them. Church, we are, a, we are a church of 350 to 400 people. Like, no one, should ever be, no one should ever have to walk through something alone. But God uses people in some great and amazing ways as we're in the, as we're in the wilderness. And, and lastly, God brings us through trials so that we can empathize with others. See, I love, I love this statement at, at, at the end of this portion. It says, and Moses had a son and he named him Gershom because he says, I have been a foreigner, in a, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. Guys, think about this. Up to that point in Moses' life, Moses had been connected. Moses had been loved. Moses had been wanted. And so Moses, Moses, when he first went out to the Hebrew people, Moses was so fully connected to Pharaoh and what was going on in his household. He had a people. And he went out to these people that were oppressed that were strangers in a foreign land. And he says, here you go, I'm here to help. And he said, who made you judge over us? How, what, what do you even know about our lives? And later on, as Moses has his first child, just this idea, listen, he names his son, and the name of that son is, I am a stranger now in a foreign land. For the first time, Moses is able to then identify with what the people of Israel had been going through for 400 years. And for the first time, he can say, I know what you're going through. Church, so often, God brings us through something now so that we can be a light to someone later going through that same struggle. So often, the, the struggles that you're experiencing now are there for a purpose because God's going to bring someone into your life later on going, who, have, who is walking through that same thing you're going through right now so that you can be an encouragement to them. So that you can say, I understand what you're going through, and this is, how, this is how God has sustained me. These are the verses that, that I've clung to. This is the principles that, that I've trusted. And this is the, these are the other people within our community that have experienced that same thing. And we want to be there to help and walk with you and be a comfort and so often, God brings us through these things so that we can be a help to someone else later on down the road. And Moses, for the first time, said, I know what you're feeling. I can understand your pain. And we're going to walk through this thing together when he goes back to his people in, in 40 years after that. The church, our chapter doesn't end with Moses speaking of family in the wilderness and God's people still being oppressed. God does one more thing. God leaves Moses with hope. Verses 23 through 25, as we just finish up here, it says this. and says, during those many days, the king of Egypt died. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. And their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel. And God knew. Church, this chapter ends with immense and massive amounts of hope. God's people are still oppressed. 
their, their, their hero, Moses, had tried to save them. Now he's, he's fled for his life in exile. He's, he's, he's off in Midian. And if the chapter were to end right there, you would say, if someone's reading this for the first time, it's like, this is pointless. This is useless. But it's often in those times of when we have gone to the end of our rope, when everything seems helpless, that's when God's going to act. That's when God shows up. And church, look at this. For the very first time in the opening chapters of Exodus, we see God's people what? Crying out for help. Lifting their voices up to God. And when that happens, God responds. I love those four words there. God heard their prayers. God remembered his covenant. God saw them and God knew. And these two verses make all the difference. It's a reminder that when that God hears our prayers, when we feel that no one is listening, when we have come to the end of our rope, that's where God exists. That's where God lives. And that God remembers his promises to us, even though we've seen, we, we, we may seem like he's forgotten about us. That God listens to us and sees us in our suffering, even if no one else does. And that God knows every detail he knows he knows what we need. He knows our fears. He knows when he's going to act. Listen, God may be on the cusp of something great in your life right now. If you would simply just cry out to him and ask. Church H.P. Charles has this great quote. He says, when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. For the first time in the story of Israel, in the story of Moses, the stage is set for God to work. Moses is out of the picture. God's people are still oppressed. And for the first time, they cry out to him. And God sees, and God knows, and God hears, and he remembers his promises. Church, I don't have a... a five-step plan for you, to, for you to leave from here with, but I, but I do want to encourage you in this, that the greatest place that you can be is dependent upon God. And the most safest place that you can be is to be humble to the point where you're reliant upon God and nothing else. And I don't know everyone's stories here. I don't know what you may be going through, but I know enough of what's going on within our church family. And church, God works and God prepares us by letting us fail, by seeing that we can't do this on our own, by bringing us into the wilderness where, where we learn real quick that we can't, we can't do this without God. But then he always leaves us with hope. And I don't care what your situation is today. God can still work. And I may not know what you're walking through, but, but God does. And he sees and he knows. 
He knows every pain that you have, every doubt that you experience, every fear, every fear that you have as you face each new day. And all he's calling you to do is cry out to him, is to trust him. So church family, today I'm going to call you. I'm call you to do just that. And think, what exactly, what's, what's one thing in my life right now that I am still holding on to? What is one thing in my life right now that I still believe that I have the strength and capability to do this on my own? Because remember, when we step in as Savior, God's going to step back. And to save you pain and suffering and everything else, just hand it over to him today. Whether it's your job, your marriage, your lack of a relationship, your, your leading your kids, whatever ministry that you're involved in, God's calling you today. Just turn that over and trust him with it. Or if you're here today, and maybe you're here for the very first time because your life has just been failure after failure after failure and something drew you to church this morning. Listen, if, if you're here today, God's call to you is for you to trust him. Because listen, I'm going to tell you two things. One is that your attempt to do this life on your own, you will fail. I have failed. Your attempt to earn God's acceptance and approval based upon your good works or, or coming to church or volunteering here or doing this and doing that, all of that will fail. The scripture says that all of our good works are as filthy rags before God and the only way that we have a relationship with him is through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. For by grace we've been saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. So if you're here today, know that God loves you. And even though we fail and we mess up, we have a Savior that will never fail you. And he offers eternal life to anyone who believes in him. And he loved you so much that, that he sent his son Jesus so that you can have eternal life. He died on the cross in your place for your sin so that you may have eternal life. And if that's you here today, we would love to have that conversation with you. So we're going to give you a few options. One, you can see me, myself, Pastor Mike, Pastor Dan, after the service. We'd love to have that conversation with you. Um, if that's not your thing right now, we'd encourage you to take one of these, one of these packets from up front. This has the Gospel of John and, and another book that's it's really helpful in understanding what the good news of the gospel is and how you can know for sure that you have eternal life. We're just going to leave these down here. Feel free to come take them. Take them. F fill out one, one, of, one of your Connect cards there in the pew. Leave it in the gray baskets. And we will get back to you this week to have that conversation. But we, we want everyone to know, to leave this place knowing that they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Church, I'm just going to invite the praise team forward as we just close up our time together today. But I just want to leave the door open for, for God to continue to work. So if you need to, to come forward today and, and turn some things over to God,
It's like, I've been holding on to these things for too long. We'd encourage you to do just that. If you need someone, if you would like to, for someone to pray with you, I would invite our elders and their spouses to come forward, and they'd, they're going to be here up front so that they could um, just come along, come alongside of you and pray with you. Or if you need to, today's the day where you need to finally place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We'd ask you to do that during the song and come forward and, and meet, meet with one of the pastors. We'd love to have that conversation. So I'm just going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray over you guys one final time, and we're going to close by singing one final song together today. And so, Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for your goodness today. God, we thank you for your word, God, and the story of Moses and how, God, before you could ever do something great in his life, God, you had to do something great in his heart. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would be a people that would rely on, that we'd be a people, God, that would turn things over to you, and that we would be humble enough, God, to say, I can't do this on my own. God, I do believe you're, you're on the cusp of something great through the lives of our people. And God, I pray, Lord, that they would experience that today as they turn things over to you and rely on your strength. We love you, God. We thank you, God, for the hope that we find in you. And I pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.